0: Calibri Games podcast. It's great to have everybody back. Today we have an awesome show. And um, today we're actually um, going to be co hosting with Lauren Wade, who is the head of community management here at Calibri Games. Lauren, uh, it's nice to have you uh, co hosting today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's really awesome to be here. I'm very excited for my first appearance on this awesome podcast. Uh, looking forward to living up to the legacy that you've already created. So
0: much higher. <laughs> Quite a legacy it is. Uh, Well, it will only be further enhanced by um, your accompaniment. So thank you. And uh, we also are joined today by the amazing Sebastian Reuter, who is the product lead for Team Odyssey, which is one of our game teams. He's coming in for a very special topic that is near and dear to everyone's hearts, shipping from home. He was uh, the lead and so is on one of the first games that we started shipping from uh from home during the COVID experience. Um so obviously a long time ago we shipped from a student apartment, but uh that's, that's no longer the case. Um and he's gonna talk to us a little bit about his experiences, our experiences, um, and a lot of what we learned and and where to go from there. Um so folks, it is a pleasure to have you all joining us today.
2: Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm also very excited about this one.
0: Cool. So it would uh, it'd be great, I think, to jump straight in and learn a little bit more about kind of the, the history of uh, the team that you lead. Um, so for those who don't know, at Calibri, we started off with one major games team. And eventually, as things got more complex and we wanted to add more games, we created this new team um, that is now called Team Odyssey. So maybe, um, Sebastian, you could tell us a little bit about the history of um, Team Odyssey, where they, what they were doing before, and uh, how they switched from their old project to their new project.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, So we started basically with uh, Idle Factory Tycoon. like It was the first new game apart from Idle Miner that we did. Um, And we maintained it for a very long time. It was a very successful product, but we decided we want to try out new ventures. And back then, we also didn't have the best process or really any process in terms of new games and ideation. So we started uh, creating one. And here it was really important for us that we make the right decision uh, for the next project. So we started establishing a uh, theme testing process to uh, figure out which direction the game should go in. We also analyzed the market uh, because of course, idle games have been evolving in the past two years a lot, uh, from Cooking Clicker to Idle Miner to uh, the other isometric idle games. And yeah, and then the the pandemic came around, uh, and we started developing idle restaurant from home.
1: Nice. I like how you say uh, we haven't really had any kind of official processes for quite a lot of what we've ended up doing. And this is, of course, very true for working from home. The pandemic hit and we, much like uh, plenty of other companies, kind of winged it at the beginning. So how long was it after the pandemic started that you actually uh, were really focusing on the development of restaurant? Was it right at the very start or had you kind of found a little bit of home office groove?
2: Yeah, we found the groove indeed. Uh, I think we started doing the home office in in around March uh, and officially the project started uh, in May internally. Before that, there was a pre-production phase, but not everyone from the team was involved there. Uh, So we still worked on idle factory during that time and started roughly in April, May on the pre-production
0: um, when when you started in pre production, um, does a new game start with a theme or a mechanic or um, you know a vague idea? Like, what is the the genesis of a new a new game? Like, where does the idea what makes an idea evolve into an actual project?
2: This is a process that changes. Uh, it's still changing for us from time to time. Uh, back then, we started uh, with looking at different game concepts. We could do. Still, should we stay close to idle miner? Should we try something completely new? Should we meet somewhere in the middle? Uh, and we figured out that uh, for us, the isometric okay. idle game genre that we with idle restaurant uh, is something we definitely want to try out. And after that, we, after we decided in which gameplay direction we want to go, we started looking at different themes that we could tackle.
0: I think so. You you had like a good idea of you know the the systems that you wanted to have in place, the um, you know the the game mechanics as well as some of the meta that would probably make sense. And then from there, it's like okay, which which themes in, and and universes and, and and whatnot would actually work with this? So you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't really make sense if it's like a you know a game where you're you're like I don't know taking care of a horse or something? Like it's just, it wouldn't be logical. We're not making my horse three out of this but like something where it's um you know management sim with maybe bottlenecks and stuff like this being very important that that made sense and that's that's kind of how you arrived at uh uh, at a restaurant concept Uh, or that or you just did it all before lunch and you were very hungry um
1: i'm kind of sad that you wouldn't get to make the next horse game i kind of would prefer an ideation phase where everybody can just give the absolute weirdest ideas and then you break it down from there maybe we wouldn't have ended up with a restaurant we could have had i don't know something in space
0: actually yeah space offers a lot of a lot of opportunities It might be something might be something there
1: well not even because you don't even have to do pure space you can just do anything in space
0: <laughs> you mean restaurant in space yeah. horse in space yeah. <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> See, I, I totally I, imagine I, this is how your ideation phase went everybody just got the,
2: to throw the community has yeah. spoken yeah
1: the community That's is, the, spoken. is. <laughs>
2: That's what we call remixing them
1: amazing
0: (laughs) so now so now that we know we're gonna have this uh this horse in space game coming up uh, um looking back at restaurant um as our guide for for horse in space when did you decide to commit to the game like what what metrics were you looking at in in idle restaurant tycoon that you said okay this is the one you know like it's no it's no secret we've tested other games right but like there was something in it where Where um, you know it really spoke to you and said that this is going to be a strong enough candidate to support.
1: It was the lack of horses. Sorry, carry on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, sadly it was not the horses. Uh, We have an amazing marketing team here at Colibri Games, and they really can help you figure out all the details you want to know about the theme. Uh, They can really do good predictions about CPI and audience size even before you really start with the whole game team on a game you already can do good estimations on how well a theme will uh, perform with with a bigger audience as well because on small scale lots of stuff works kind of well but it's always about like the big scale how will uh, a theme work like uh, here and maybe for example the space for a theme might not work that well with a big audience compared to a restaurant theme and as you of course as you also know we at colibri games are very proud of our speed when it comes to development and for us, releasing a game to test the market usually goes super fast. So for the restaurant, we actually took longer than we expected, which was roughly six weeks until we could do a market test with a real game. Uh, for other games, we actually had times where we could do the first market test after four weeks of development. And there you can already see super early uh, how the KPIs will perform and then kind of estimate Uh, if it's worth continuing or if you should look at another project.
1: So that six weeks sounds like a nice amount of time, but I imagine that in reality that just flies by. And especially since uh, I know earlier you mentioned uh, moving into restaurant, we were doing a new art style. So isometric is the word that sticks with me, of course. Uh, So with doing something entirely new, again, none of these official processes and stuff, did you actually need to kind of, really quickly hire new people to make sure you got this game to test in the first six weeks or did you kind of you know push your existing team uh to the limits uh, just to get the test out kind of how did that look from the hiring perspective
2: at the beginning we didn't need to hire uh, anyone because uh first of all we have really awesome artists that it like super quickly switched from our classic more flat perspective uh, to a 2d isometric perspective and that process i think worked out super well and the results uh, i think the game is a beautiful game tech wise our developers uh, adapted very quickly uh, to this new perspective we had some issues especially in the beginning with layering because in this new perspective people can go under doors or next and next to each other and stuff like that and then we had a lot of clipping issues where For example, a character showed through a wall where he was standing behind, so he shouldn't show in that case. Uh, That was something that troubled us for a long time. And if you pay super close attention to the game, you can still see it in some corners.
1: See, if you'd done restaurant in space, it would be because everything's a hologram and you can float through it and then you wouldn't have a problem with layering. So you (laughs) should have thought about that.
2: (laughs) That's true. It would have saved us a lot of trouble. (laughs) Later down the line, uh, though we uh, did increase uh, the team size. So we hired another artist uh, be increase the size of the QA team, especially going to the global launch. And,
0: and how did you manage that increase um, remotely? Like was that a was that a challenge to onboard some of these new folks? Were all of them shifted from internal to uh, Colibri as well, or was it just people brand new to the company?
2: Most of them were brand new to the company, uh, and were also recruited uh, remotely and onboarded remotely. What worked really well for us uh, during the onboarding was doing regular team events with the where the whole team uh, via Zoom meets up. Everyone gets food uh, paid by the company or the you know with Deliverando or Deliver Hero, and then we play uh, our favorite game at the moment. Uh, at the moment is Cardic Phone. What is Cardic Phone? Uh, well, you have to draw the story of another player, and then another player has to get has to guess. What the story was, and it kind of uh, rotates around. So it's a little bit of a drawing guessing game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we also had a lot of fun with, spring, uh, with online games like Draw.io. Uh, so your entire team is now a
1: team of artists because they've got all of the social gaming down. Yes. Amazing.
2: <laughs> yes, that's the fun part. Of course, you have developers, you have product managers, and you have artists who are drawing with their draw pads, and developers who might draw with I don't know their touchpad on the laptop. And always turns out into fun results. So, so you were
0: onboarding these folks and and um, trying to adapt them to the the culture. Um, yeah. And um, did you find that um, it, it took significantly longer than um, your experiences onboarding folks? You know, maybe um, pre COVID days. Like outside of just you know the the Gardic phone experience. Like was it was it significantly harder to get people? I mean, you, you were juggling a lot right here, right? This is a new game this is a new art style Um, you know, it's a rolling momentum uh, and the pandemic and, you know, new people. So like, there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, was, was that challenging? Like what was the most, I assume so. What was the most challenging part of it?
2: Yeah. The most challenging part was always during uh winter lockdowns, so we always have the COVID phases where we want to of course be double safe and no one should go to the office and stuff like that and then it's all remote uh then the communication gets a little bit harder it's harder to see for me as a lead if someone struggles for example with their pc or something compared to when i sit next to them in the office when i can just help them uh so people that started for example the summer when the uh when it was slowing down and everyone could get tested Uh, then it was very safe for them to do the first week or maybe a first day in the office and then you can see them talk to them show them everything Uh, and that way it's also easier via online compared to like when the pandemic hits really hard and everyone everything is done over zoom then you have to make sure that you schedule regular calls with them even on the first day have like at least two three calls with them at the end of the day as well to get like their feedback uh, and make sure they always have something to do that feels uh, that's like related to their onboarding tasks and that they're not stuck with that, uh, or that they get bored because no one is telling them what to do uh, and stuff like that. It's it's just a little bit harder than uh, over remote, definitely.
1: And in a more general sense, so you mentioned that at least a couple of things were maybe easier for hiring and onboarding, doing it remotely. Is there anything kind of on the broader spectrum of just creating a game and shipping it from home that was actually better to do remotely? Uh, any kind of really obvious thing for you? Uh,
2: they, I would say it's very different uh, because we also learned that some people uh, work very, very well from home. Like they're more efficient working from home than compared to the office and some people like the office more so there was definitely a speed i would say considering how fast we already were on the office that we were at least the same speed even if not a little bit faster Um, also stuff like zoom meetings being immediate instead of having to find a room uh, and then there's no transition period between meetings, or so if you have several meetings at the same time, you're not five minutes late to the other meeting because, like, you have to find a room or something. Uh, but it's all very fast uh, in 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 Zoom and using like remote calls and stuff like that. One thing that I definitely miss a little bit uh, working from home is having like a whiteboard and a designer sitting or an artist sitting next to me and me doing ugly drawings uh, on the whiteboard and then. Uh, trying to figure out what I mean. This kind of works over remote as well, thanks to like whiteboard uh, tools and stuff like that. But it's just, uh, it's a little bit more hands-on if we do it in in an office space.
1: This is why you started playing Gartic Phone because you were missing making ugly drawings. People had to uh, guess what <laughs> yes, they were. Yes, yes, I yes. I see, I get it now. That makes sense. Um, so thinking about um, the general work very remotely, one thing that I do uh, know from your team, which I came across myself when interacting with you, is that I think you would actually sit in a room all day but it would be a zoom room so even though you say you missed out on having to jump rooms for meetings you actually were constantly sitting in a meeting i think uh, correct me if i'm wrong
2: we call it kind of our office room uh, here everyone has their camera turned off and their microphone turned off though it's not about uh, like knowing that they work or something like that because of course then we know that this doesn't work out well but rather for people uh, for for example for me as a lead to know hey that person is available at the moment i could call them if i need to discuss something and that's why we had this space uh, where everyone when they're currently working on their tasks and are not in meetings are in just to show i'm currently basically at the office and available for calls it's similar to when you sit in a room together in the office and you grab i don't know a developer and show him like two three changes you want to quickly do or an artist for art feedback
1: that's pretty cool that's a useful a useful tip. Is there anything else that you you yourself or your team managed to learn? Maybe a Zoom tip that you can let us all in on that I can then steal as well.
2: <laughs> uh, I mean, it can get pretty lonely working uh, from home during a pandemic. So we made sure that there's lots of opportunity to just casually socialize with each other. With each other. So we encourage, for example, team lunches. Uh, the team uh, parties that we had over Zoom, maybe play played video games together. Colibri always is very supportive if you do stuff like that and also will help you out with like food or games and stuff like that. Uh, so that made it easy. What also works is, of course, always doing a little bit of, you know, small talk when you start a meeting and it's not all just business meeting, business meeting, business meeting, uh, but to keep it like social, like you would do in an office, I think.
0: Getting back to the product. So, I know for this, we did a, um, a few stages, and you mentioned earlier the way that the marketing team uh, analyzed Idle Restaurant Tycoon. Um, Could you tell us a bit about how um, an official global launch differs from the soft launch?
2: I really have to say the, the the first soft launch and the global launch were the uh, most scary buttons I had to press in the in the different consoles for <laughs> Apple and Google. Uh, the first soft launch is about oh does it all work? And then the hard launch is oh does it all work for a lot of people? <laughs> and there's also lots of steps in between, of course. For Google, we had a really successful pre-registration campaign. Uh, so when I when we pressed the hard launch button, I remember back then uh, me and the other product lead working on the title, we were just refreshing the reviews because we get so many downloads on day one that it was so much fun to look at and getting all this community feedback just on hard launch uh and then all these like positive reviews just really make you happy and on soft launch it's all in smaller scale there's less of course there's reviews and stuff like that but there's less uh, feedback and um on hard launch it's mostly driven by marketing doing user acquisition uh and on uh, hard launch uh, a lot of users coming organically speaking of the
0: like launch phases do you think your roadmap would look significantly different if this was in person
2: mm, i don't think so um no really i don't think so we had we have a we had a gate process in place where we checked at different soft launches how the game is performing and if we continue with it or if we make another decision around it. Uh, and I think that wouldn't have been too different compared to doing it in person
1: one of the things which i know uh shouldn't really be affected by being remote or in person uh, to follow on from that would be using things like data is there anything kind of that you witnessed or that you learned that's particularly noteworthy with how you used data during uh this whole shipping from home process
2: yeah data was super important for us uh, already like with the uh, first soft launch uh, we implemented a uh, lots of t- uh, data f- uh, for the tutorial, first-time user experience, the balancing, stuff like that. So we could see, for example, if after the tutorial, after step three, a lot of people leave the game because it doesn't make sense anymore. or Right after the tutorial, they don't know what to do. And uh, we maybe we have to explain that a bit more. Also, from a balancing perspective, data is super useful uh, because we can easily see if something is maybe too expensive and p- uh, players get stuck after. 30 minutes of uh, playing, or something is too cheap, and they rush through the content in 15 minutes, which is also not a lot of fun. Uh, we also run a lot of A B tests, for example, for Idle Restaurant. And one of the biggest ones that we did was also about the tutorial. Historically, in Colibri games, we made our tutorials always only with arrows. And uh, you know this most likely because uh, in Idle Miner, where it's just three arrows, the tutorial, and then it's basically done. And in Idle Restaurant, the first time, Uh, we did tutorial here was narrative Uh, and we wanted to challenge that assumption that maybe arrow is better or maybe narrative is better so we did an a b test of arrow tutorial versus a narrative tutorial where a character explains you what to do Uh, and those results were very very interesting where we learned that in a bigger isometric type of game a narrative tutorial uh, seems to perform way better than just arrows for the user.
1: I'm one of those users. I liked that a lot. Uh, it's kind of like the, the area <laughs> manager of the restaurants telling you, here you go, boss. Like, here's your restaurant. Here's your, how you use it. Off you go. I love that.
0: <laughs> Did you share those learnings with uh, other new games teams as well?
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, we communicate a lot about data learnings. Um, as you know, after Idle Restaurant, we also got Idle Firefighter, and they used a lot of our data learnings on their games in regards to economy design, tutorial design, and they could even use some of our tech uh, in their games. So we really do learn from each project to each project, but also from each feature to each feature. Uh, for example, we often go to maybe Idle miner and ask them about the performance of one of their new features. And if it's interesting for us, if it work, might work with our target audience or firefighter telling us a huge success. Uh, with, uh, I don't know, a new event or something like that.
1: There's also a lot of community data to speak for my own team. Of course, uh, we often see a lot of features which uh, are very similar across the games, which maybe work differently depending on the audience we're looking at. So it's always awesome. I know that my team was speaking with you about certain things and maybe how players on other games have taken it and how we could uh, make it super awesome for restaurant stuff. So it's always really nice to see that It isn't just your cold, hard data that gets to be shared. You know, I like that we get to get involved as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think without community data, it's also not that useful because data just shows you that there might be a problem in that area, but community will tell you uh, how that affects the user, like the community around it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Hey, community. How often were you talking to, to Odyssey?
1: Oh, man. Like, <laughs> what was that process? Was, we, we were there. We were there all the time. No, it's not it's not constant of communication, of course, because we, we have to actually get on with our jobs as well. But we had very regular syncs, um, passing on the data at every possible opportunity. Of course, um, people like Sebastian do also have access to data uh, on our side so that he doesn't have to always kind of go through me to get to the information. But we, uh, for example, would often have um syncs every couple of weeks where uh, we'd sit for a little bit of a longer time we'd get to talk about stuff coming up on uh, the product side that we could get hyped for and we would be able to share uh, issues that were going on suggestions for things that we could look into um, it is yeah even though i say it isn't constant because we're not sitting in the same zoom room talking at each other 24 7 it nevertheless is uh, still a constant open stream of
0: communication which is super awesome Did you modify it from uh, that stream or style of communication um, from the way that you communicate with IMT or or other teams? Uh,
1: No, not really. Um, Very much kind of my team, you know, were there to be the voice uh, of the players. So very much uh, it doesn't matter kind of which players are talking to us or which game team we're passing it on to. Very much the way that we operate is the same. It's then kind of entirely up to uh, each game team to put our a kind of qualitative feedback into something tangible. So, yeah, uh, very much what we do is, remains the same, I would say.
2: I remember one of the feedbacks we got uh, shortly after hard launch was that uh, our players would like to stay in the same restaurant for a longer time period. Before that feedback came, we assumed players want as many restaurants as possible, but after we got that feedback, we started implementing the renovation feature where people uh, could scale up their uh, restaurants and this was one of the uh, times when community really affected our big roadmap on a big scale that worked out really well because people uh, players love the feature
0: and it seems to to contradict some of the the norms and say idle miner tycoon, where I think the game is more engineered towards progressing through a bunch of different mines, um, and so as you go, you you, you want to get to as many mines as possible. And so it sounds like that that was a really good way to maybe learn some of the differences, and and that really only came by listening to directly to the community, yeah. Um, which is which is pretty essential, and also provides a bit of a a roadmap for you know potentially how other other games like idle firefighter or things like that might behave given the similarities between them, which is super cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, one day COVID will be over. Uh, and, uh, there is, <laughs> there is a rumor that we're moving into a new office, um, which should be pretty cool. Um, so looking back, um, or in it directly now, what are you looking forward to about moving back to, to the office or into this new office.
2: Oh, just meeting the team again with the four plus one concept. Uh, we will have it. We'll, four plus one. Yeah. So, Colibri Games uh, introduced the four plus uh, one concept, which means after the COVID pandemic has slowed down massively or has ideally stopped, people will have to work, every team will have to work one day. Uh, in the office and this could be on different days. For example, on Monday, it could be marketing on a Tuesday, it could be team Odyssey uh, or something like that. The other four days they can choose if they wanna work from home or if they wanna go uh, to the office. Uh, And for me, I'm very excited about this uh, one day where I can see uh, the whole team again and draw some stuff on a whiteboard, uh, tell them about uh, awesome ideas that we're having And just having meetings in person. It's very different. Uh, It's nearly a skill that uh, you lose over the time of working from home, uh, doing a meeting in person. I think it's just something so personal that... Uh, I'm very excited to have that again. And of course, seeing all the other quotables, we hired a lot of people. I think it was like something like 70 people uh, during the pandemic. Uh, And I'm just so excited to see all those different faces uh, and people again and uh, talking to them in real life.
0: Can you foresee any challenges with this new um, uh, 4 plus 1 style?
2: Um, I mean, ideally, we want to move all those in-person meetings to this one day. And then this uh, one day might be a little bit more challenging to manage because there will be uh, lots of meetings for everyone. Uh, But otherwise, I only see benefits from it. People can choose basically what they want to do during the week most of the time. And this one day we all get to meet up, we get to see each other, we get to high five each other. Uh, And I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, doing the work in person again.
1: So thinking back to earlier, I remember uh, we spoke about the the general kind of ideation process. Uh, this is how I got onto horses in space and all of this kind of fun stuff. Um, but how does that actually then work once the game is kind of up and running? So obviously, Restaurant has several restaurants. It begins with the Idle Diner, the American one. One of my favorite ones later in the game is the Taverna, the Greek one. It's absolutely beautiful. How do you do the ideation kind of during that phase how do you pick the theme for the first restaurant how do you pick the theme for the ones coming in the future how does that work
2: yeah for the first restaurant it was it seemed just like an obvious choice going for an american diner it's such an iconic uh, restaurant you see it in every film in every series in every game there's just an american diner somewhere and i can really how do you say and really relate to people wanting to manage an american diner it's delicious food it's kind of cool it's a little bit old school and here in the american diner there's also a very iconic color palette which was also really important for us that just from the color and the visuals you can tell ah this is an american diner without having to uh shove like this is american and idol and diner uh, into your face and this was also really important for future restaurants for us that uh, they they are very international, but also that uh, there's a very interesting color palette going on. And you can just tell from the visuals what kind of restaurant it is. We really love the Greek restaurant, for example, because it's always this blue and white, this beautiful architecture that you have going on there. And this color scheme works really well, I think, also on a mobile device, similar to our Snowy Peaks restaurant, for example, with the white, beautiful snow against the comfy ness of the of the hut uh, that you have there and then you kind of remember maybe a, a ski vacation or your bavarian home favorite restaurant and stuff like that and we really wanted to have these uh, connections uh, for the player with the restaurants it's not just uh like throwing a dart at a world map and then picking a restaurant but for us it's really important that there's some iconic imagery uh, attached to the restaurant
1: Nice. I did like I like the snowy peaks for a bit of the German as well, even though it's more Alpine. Just being a German company, yeah. you know, feel a bit of pride when you see the pretzels on the table. I like that.
2: Yeah, and we really wanted to explore all over the world. Uh, and there's still some themes that we are uh, we looked into that we uh, definitely want to try out, but. Uh, we can't do all of them, sadly. So
1: there's not going to be a fish and chip restaurant to, to please the Brits, then?
2: I'm not excluding a British restaurant. British cuisine being
1: the world leader that it is. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's some cool imagery with uh, British cuisine, I think. That would work. <laughs> a pub would be super
0: cool. But I guess we got to go light on the, uh, the alcohol theme. Indeed.
2: yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But um so obviously uh, since uh, those of us in the call are representing various different nationalities here did geography play into it kind of from the team perspective or the player perspective did you kind of look at where people come from in your team and play into that or did you look at where the the interested players are and what they maybe would want to see uh, kind of see their home territories reflected in a in a restaurant
2: And, you know, our audience is American. That's why the American restaurant as a first choice was kind of obvious. Uh, For the others, we were picking stuff that everyone goes to from time to time. You know, everyone goes to maybe an Asian restaurant from time to time or a Greece taverna or something like that. But what we really like to do is, for example, when we did the Greece taverna. We went to a Greece employee and asked them about uh, like uh, culture, like uh, color schemes, like food that's served there, like, how does it look? What kind of flowers uh, are used for decoration and stuff like that? Uh, we have a very international team and at every opportunity where we get to talk to someone uh, that comes from this area, uh, it benefits really in the visuals as well.
1: That's really awesome. Just because stereotypes are always fairly global, but technically, if you are off said nationality or you know what it is you're talking about, your your stereotypes will maybe be a little bit truer to the actual picture. So that's really awesome. Definitely a, a great uh, reason to be at Calibre with so many different nationalities to interact with.
0: Well uh that was extremely enlightening thank you um and uh unfortunately we are nearing the end of our time together but we still have a wee bit of time for well there's always room for dessert so we're gonna jump into our dessert which is our speed round so prepare yourself take a few deep breaths and i'm gonna hand things over to lauren who's going to uh the lead said speed round
1: yep born ready for this Sebastian are you ready yes excellent okay so you don't get time to think about it you've just got to tell me the first thing that comes into your head when I've asked you okay all right let's go so Coco Pepsi Pepsi favorite game
2: Uh, Shadow of the Colossus
1: new clothes or new phone new phone favorite animal Uh, dog and if you could have any superpower what would it be flying amazing.
0: Sebastian, that was awesome. I really want to thank you for the time spent today talking about shipping from home. I think it was really helpful to learn all of the ways that you had to adapt, uh, onboard new folks, how we use data in order to guide uh, Ida Restaurant Tycoon, and what the genesis was for the project. Um, Everything ranging from the types of uh, restaurant themes that we're going for to the overall theme of the game. So I really want to thank you for joining us here today. Um, taking some time out to do that.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun uh, talking about this old stuff. Also, like reminiscing about the project. Yeah, I had a lot of fun.
0: Thank you, and Lauren, uh, I want to thank you for joining us as your first podcast hosting duty. We really appreciated having you and uh, your um horse energy <laughs> as well as space energy. We we got a lot of, <laughs> and I really am looking forward to a lot more of that. Uh, coming up in these podcasts Uh, thank you as well for taking a little bit of time away from the Community to join us with our other community of listeners.
1: No, thank you for having me. And very much, uh, I hope that I can bring said same energy to future ones. Ideally, I'll leave the, the horses behind though, but I will bring the general spirit and community awesomeness for sure. So thank you very much.
0: And a big thank you goes out to our lovely listeners. <laughs> you join us every uh, every week-ish uh, as we venture through the, the journey of being a growing game studio here in Berlin, uh, making awesome games, listening to the community. And uh, making the world a better place along the way. Leave no horse (laughs) behind.
1: for tuning in everybody that is a wrap for today i'm your host lauren wade
0: and i'm nate barker
1: you tune in every two weeks to hear fresh content on your favorite podcast site or app we will be very happy to have you tell a friend we're always happy to spread the word and be sure to find us online as well at our website CalibriGames.com. you can find lots of useful info such as job openings and other stuff
0: stay safe out there and be sure to play lots of games